You're listening to Past and Present, the Colonial Williamsburg podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm Harmony Hunter. Well, bringing the past to life in Colonial Williamsburg's historic area takes more than just imagination. It takes a lot of research and some very modern science. When you see the paint colors on our original and reconstructed buildings, you're looking at the result of that study. Here with us today is Matt Webster, who's director of the Department of Architectural Preservation. Matt, thank you for being here today. You're welcome. Pleasure to be here. Well, I've said your title, but tell us a little bit in, uh, in street terms, in common terms, uh, what you do here. Um, we do we do quite a lot. Um, we actually we basically look after the buildings in the historic area. So we work very closely with maintenance and with architectural research to make sure that our buildings are protected properly, that we have proper repairs, and that uh, we maintain the accuracy that's necessary in the historic area. These buildings are really the backbone of the historic area. You wouldn't have this walk through time if you didn't have these buildings around you. I, I would agree with that. <laughs> And we have 88 original buildings and then scores of reconstructed buildings that are all done with painstaking accuracy and care. Right. Um, we do. We have 88 what we consider original buildings, um, and we have quite a few reconstruct uh, reconstructed buildings. But even in between, we have all of these partial reconstructions. So we have a lot of buildings that incorporate original material in them that we can gain more information from. So if we want to look at how many buildings in the historic area actually contain original um, original elements, uh, we're probably up around 200. Wow, that, that's a whole conversation in itself, but we're here today to talk about paint. So I wanted to think about um, colonial paint colors. What you're really trying to do is give us an accurate representation all the way down to the color of the paint. So when you're looking at what colors would have been there in the colonial period, what do you know about colonial paint, how it was made, what colors they might have had? Well, to understand um, really the history of colonial paint in Williamsburg, we have to go back to the very beginning, um, really go back to when John D. Rockefeller Jr. and W.A.R. Goodwin came up with the idea of restoring the town. Um, they, um, they basically brought in a group of architects, Perry Shaw and Hepburn, in 1928. Um, and Perry Shaw and Hepburn brought in a woman named Susan Higginson Nash in 1929, and she's really the first paint analyst for Colonial Williamsburg. Um, very, very interesting woman. And she developed uh, a method of looking for paint colors. And so what they did is they would take a razor blade and they would look for original elements in the building and scratch down layer by layer through the paint. Uh, until they got to the lowest layer and that that would be the color that they would choose as the earliest paint color. Um, and today what we do is we do a lot of historic research um, looking at what's common um, in the 18th century as far as pigment availability, the, the things that, that actually color the paint. Uh, we look at are there, are there contracts. Um, St. George Tucker House in Williamsburg has an excellent painting contract. We know what every color was, what the paint was made out of. Um, you know, everything right down to what, what it costs to paint. Um, and then we also do a lot of scientific research. And that's where things have really changed for us. Just like all technology, the science of analyzing paint is reliant on, on the tools that are available. So as technology moves forward, our ability to understand more about these paints advances as well. 
Um, so we actually can take m very, very, very small samples that you can't really even see with your eye. Um, we put them in basically a plastic cube and we cut those in half and we look at them under a microscope and we can see every layer lined up um, accurately. And the big difference between the early research and our research is that we can see every layer. You're not relying on your eye to differentiate between um, layers of paint that you're scratching through with a razor blade. Um, and we found through this research that we actually are missing um, from that early research, we're missing multiple layers. Um, we also are seeing color shifts. Um, the pigments being used for paint in the 18th century aren't always stable. So what was a vibrant blue in the 18th century, today is a green or even a gray when we see it um, when it's exposed. So something that may have originally been interpreted as a green, you now know should be represented as a much uh, more saturated blue. Right. Right, and that's what we, you know, what we call the colonial revival period. Um, really, about the time that Colonial Williamsburg is is um, restoring the uh, historic area in the 1920s. That's when it really comes about. And those colors that we that we feel um, are colonial, uh, those muted tones, a lot of times really are those very, very vibrant colors, vibrant reds and yellows and blues that have just broken down over 300 years. So. Where were they getting the pigments for those vibrant colors? Were these made of sort of natural resources in the area? Um, most of the pigments aren't coming from, from the colonies themselves. They're, they're coming from England, in most cases being shipped in and sold in stores in Williamsburg. Um, we have some great advertisements in the Virginia Gazette. In 1752, Robert Carter here in Williamsburg, um, he advertises at his store, probably the, the largest variety of pigments that we've seen advertised for Prussian blue and verdigris, red and white lead, um, vermilion, and many, many other colors, um, ochres. Um, so you know, you're seeing the, the whites, the reds, the blues that are all, all available. And so those are basically being shipped in and for sale. So your colors are, um, your color availability is based on what, what, what's within the market. And if you want to enjoy some of these paint colors in your own home, you can actually buy some of these colors and, and paint your own structure with them. That's right. Um, we now have partnered with Benjamin Moore um, and have a really great relationship with them. So what's happened is that we took all of that research and actually created a new color palette um, based on what was here in Williamsburg in the 18th century. So it was a very interesting project. Um, Williamsburg was actually responsible for creating all of the new colors in the line. Um, so what you're seeing are colors represented by you know, those pigments in Virginia Gazette articles, uh, advertisements, sorry, and also through the new, um, the new analysis. So it's, it's a really exciting time. Well, what brings you here today is there's a wave of uh, exterior repainting happening in the historic area right now. What has prompted um, this change, these, these buildings that you're looking at with, with new, uh, new eyes? Um, there's, there's a few things that have um, prompted this, and first and foremost is preservation of our historic structures. Paint is our first line of defense. Um, so when the paint start to, starts to, to deteriorate, um, we actually start to get into the wood. So then the wood starts to rot, and then we really start to have problems. So we always want to make sure that the paint is in good shape. Um, so that's one of, our, one of our big efforts, and that's what pushed forward the painting campaign in general. Um, the other thing is, is that we have this huge mass of information now about paint colors in the 18th century and really a new understanding. Um, Colonial Williamsburg is really at the forefront of, of understanding 18th century paints and paint analysis in general. Um, 
with the work that we've done here and on the scale that we've done. And so um, with this knowledge, we can better, we're, we, we have better informed decisions. So. What are some of the changes that you're making? If I'm walking down Duke of Gloucester Street, what's going to look different than it used to? Well, you're, we're losing those colonial revival colors. Um, so we're lo losing those, those light greens, um, kind of the muted tones. What we're seeing now is uh, kind of a lot of regularity in the colors that you see in the historic area. And that's because on the exteriors of buildings, what we're finding, what we found through research, and it's confirmed through, through docu um, historic documents as well, is that the pigments that are used are primarily earth pigments. So they're either rust-based, lead-based, or carbon-based. Um, so then that, and that also limits your color availability as well. So you're, you're stuck with your red-browns, which are um, iron oxide, so rust. Um, your yellows, which are another form of iron oxide. Um, your whites, um, which are you know, which are whitewashes in the purest form, but these kind of creams that you're seeing in the historic area, those are the those are representing lead white in the 18th century. I mean, obviously, we're not using lead white to, to paint the buildings, but that's the, that's the match to lead white. And the reason for these these creams is that the linseed oil oil that's used to make the paint yellows. It gives a yellow tone. So you don't, in an oil-based paint, you don't really have a, a very pure white. You're always going to have that kind of off-white color. Um, and then you have your grays as well, which are formed by using carbon. So you've gone to a very, what you said, like an earth palette out there. Right. right. And you, and you see that because it's, it's practical. Um, these, these pigments, those pigments that I just told you about, they're stable. So they don't, they don't break down over time really. So you're not going to see them shift. Their color's not going to shift. You're going to maintain the same color that you painted on your building. They're also big bulky pigments. So they'll help protect your house much, much better. Um, pigments like Prussian blue, very, very fine, very light sensitive. Um, so you paint your house blue. You know, within five years, you're going to have a greenhouse, and in 10, you're going to have a gray house, and your paint's not going to be very, very happy. Um, same thing with, with a greenhouse. So if you paint your house green, the primary green pigment in the 18th century is verdigris. Verdigris, when exposed to air, oxidizes to black. So very quickly, your house would go green, brown, black. So, so really, it's a, it's a practical um, decision for the for the homeowner in the 18th century, and that's that's what you're seeing in the historic area that we're we're shifting back to what they had available, and and doing what they would have done. This is one of the things I love so much about Colonial Williamsburg is that whatever you're looking at, whether it's a costume or a carriage or even the paint on a house, right. it's telling you a lot, yeah. and there's a, there's <clears throat> volumes. Um, behind it uh, of stories of economy and technology and practicality. Right, right, and that's, I mean, I will say one of the tough things about painting in the historic area is color, color always brings out an emotional response in people. So when you change the color of a building, it, it, it shocks people. And, um, and so, but what we have to remember is that these colors tell a story. And if we take if we take, if we put the wrong color on a building, we're essentially changing a chapter in the building's story. It's amazing. I hope that when guests come out here, they notice when they're walking down uh, the streets of the historic area that they see the story that's being told and appreciate the representation and the accuracy that they're seeing. Matt, thank you for your work and thank you for being here today. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you. We're always glad to hear from you. Send comments or suggestions from our webpage at podcast.history.org or find us on Facebook. 
To support the podcast and other Colonial Williamsburg programs, visit history.org slash donate.